So that evening, we leave the deposition at around 8.30, 9 o'clock. My last text to him was probably the text saying that I'll help you for free was probably around like 8 p.m. I get home in the evening and I log into Facebook and all I see is rest in peace, individual's name all over Facebook. What are you talking about? He, he committed suicide on campus. He got a gun in his car, he sat there, and he shot himself in the mouth. everyone, I'm John Markle and welcome to another exciting episode of Cases Gone Wild. And I'm really excited about today's episode, which reminder, this is brought to you by Markle Law. Please, if you like this podcast, please come and follow us. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with whoever so they can enjoy it as well. Uh, today, I'm happy to have my good friend, great attorney, here, Manny Chahal, who I've had the honor, and we're going to talk about, we share a case gone wild in common, which we're going to talk about today, but a little bit about Mr. Chahal or Mr. Manny, as I always introduce you in trial, Mr. Manny. Uh, Mr. Manny was born in T Toronto. He's Canadian. Uh, originally, his family is from India. Uh, he went to Brampton High School, which is in Toronto. For those of us, we're not going to know anywhere that he went to school unless you're Canadian because he also went to college in Ontario, went to Western College. And then he decided he wanted to become a, a lawyer and he went to law school here in, in America in, in the Detroit area at Cooley Law School. And he has a diverse practice. So what's great about Manny, you do all kinds of stuff, don't you? You, do business, you focus on business. You have a lot of contractual stuff. And so our practices are, are very different, right? I mean, where, you know, you occasionally get a personal injury case or whatever, but t t tell, tell us, Manny, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, John. Thanks for it's, being it's, here. It's, it's, it's truly an honor, man. Um, you know, I've seen uh, the first few episodes you've done and I've seen the caliber of attorneys you have on this show. So I'm, I'm truly honored. Thanks again. Uh, as far as my practice goes, um, you know, I've been practicing for about eight years now. Uh, the first two, three years, I kind of dabbled in family law, criminal defense, you know, finding your way, finding my way. Um, eventually I, uh, got tied up with, uh, having simply one client who I've been working for exclusively for the better part of the last four or five years. Uh, it's a large corporation. They have about 2,500 employees across North America. So I'm essentially outside counsel for this company. Um, and it's essentially corporate law, uh, commercial real estate. And so, you know, whatever the day-to-day -day legal issues that come up, I usually handle those. And I, you know, outsource, I hire uh, attorneys in other states and so forth. So I'm exclusively tied to one client at this time. Yeah, so that's interesting. So, uh and things are going well. I can I can tell. Things I see going. you popping bottles, and I know you're getting uh, you're getting married. I am getting in the married. fall. Thank you for the invite to the wedding. I, I hope inviting you on the show didn't didn't make you feel forced to invite me to your beautiful wedding. No, that kidding. that invitation I think came before this yeah. uh, the, this show happening. <laughs> but I think things are good. Things now, are good. Yeah. You know, having one client is is a blessing, and it's also can be a curse because. If something goes wrong, or if you you know don't do what your client wants, that's dangerous. It is dangerous. It definitely is dangerous. But you know, you kind of don't think of it that way. Yeah. You know, you, you have try, to adapt, you, and you you try to do the best job that you can. Um, and you know, I've had a long term relationship with the client, and you, you know, because you're not working for different clients you're you don't have multiple files you're kind of focused every single day on the same client and the same yeah. type of work you know there's there's both sides there's to pros it. and cons right, to right, it right? right right yeah so that's awesome why did you become a lawyer man you were born born in toronto right you're, yep, now yep. you're here you're moving to the united states i understand yeah so. yeah yeah so the reason for that was uh well there's two parts to it one uh we took a high school trip in ninth grade to a courthouse and i i you know got the opportunity to hear a judge you know give us just a little presentation discussion question and answer period type thing and it really you know 
sunk in. It's just something I wanted to do since that day. And the other reason, which is a funnier reason, is I went to a small private Christian school in Brampton. It's called Brampton Christian Academy. And we had a very tight-knit circle of friends. You know, Our high school maybe had 150 kids in it, so everybody knew each other on a first-name basis. Yeah. All of my friends whom I'm still connected with today, you know, since day one, they all wanted to go to med school and become doctors. And I kind of figured, you know, having a, a whole group of doctor friends, they're going to need a lawyer, right? <laughs> so that partly had something to do with it. I did not want to pursue a medical education. And, you know, so I kind of just chose my path back early then. And have they needed a lawyer? Have oh, they needed well, you since that time? Because they're in Canada, most of them. I mean, they always call me for legal advice. Yeah, yeah. I try to guide them as best I can, but, you know, they have needed lawyers. Yeah. So absolutely. Well, it's funny, you know, how those, like, little experiences when we're younger shape who we are and what we become, of you course, know? Of course, of um, course. Just meeting that judge and having that experience. Yep. You know, I, I think a lot of us out here have had certain experiences in our life that if we're lawyers, doctors, whatever you are, that has, uh, you know, set our path. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for being on the show today. And I know we got a lot to talk about. When, you know, I was trying to think, when did we first meet? Did we meet before the first case that we did together? I believe we met on one occasion. Obviously, you had a guest. I think it was your second episode, Issa Haddad, who's the gentleman that I work for. He's the attorney I work for at his firm. Uh, you guys are connected through, you know, you talked about a little bit of how your relationship with him came forward through his wife. You guys went to yeah. the same college, right? Um, so I think we attended a, a buck dinner together once. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like other a than lawyer that, event. Yeah, yeah, it was a lawyer event. Um, but other than that, I think we really uh, got connected once, you know, I reached out to you regarding the case we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get right into it. So this is Case Gone Wild. Case gone and this wild. was a wild case, It really Manny. was. This was a wild case. And I remember you called me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just like I tell my clients, nobody calls me because things are going well. Right. Right. Like people call me because something horrible is happening right. or they need help. Right. Um, and that goes for lawyers, too. And so uh, why don't you tell the listeners, you know, how, why and how did you end up calling me? on the case gone wild that we're going to talk sure, about. Sure, absolutely. So um, around January 2017, that would have been maybe a year and a half into my, me practicing, um, I get a call from uh, the client that we're going to talk about. Um, elderly lady crossing the street in Canton, Michigan, walking in a residential neighborhood, gets struck by a car while crossing the street. Um, she had she had a lawyer at the time, um, but the family was Indian. They're uh, from the same part of India that I'm from. Um, they speak Punjabi, so I'm from the state of Punjab in India. And so a lot of the community in general in Michigan, I've come to learn, you know, they 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 feel more comfortable just communicating in their own language with someone who's from sure. the same background. So perhaps that was the, the reason that they had reached out to me. Um, they weren't too happy with the lawyer that was working on the case. He had filed suit maybe like three, four months prior. Um, so they reached out, I had a consultation with them and I, I just felt so bad for this this elderly lady and her family. And I said, you know, with with the, the seniors that I work with at the firm, I'm just like, guys, I have to take this case. Zero experience in personal injury law. Never did a personal Never, injury case. First and I mean, not I'm not going to say first and last, but that was the first personal injury case I ever took on. Zero idea on what to do. So I get connected with. And it's uh, a pretty substantial case. Yeah, it's, it's just and, and so we'll, our listeners we'll, we'll, understand. We'll, I mean, multi-million dollar case. Yeah, you have a case where you know somebody gets a boo boo on their wrist or something. Yep. You know, no. there's not a lot of risk there, but right. this lady was walking across the street and was smashed into by a vehicle, catastrophically disabling injuries right, right. Uh, with a lot of insurance coverage, right? right. Millions in insurance coverage. Yep. This this was a, I would say, an upper level case, a it high was. risk, uh, high potential case. A high cost case. High you know? cost case. Right, right. So they approached me in January, I took the case on, and I was introduced uh, through a colleague to, um, a former attorney, I'll call him, um, who had significant experience in personal injuries. So, so you're out there looking for some guidance, exactly, because exactly. you haven't done a case yep. like this yep. before, and nobody, which is good. And there's no shame in, no, in you know, no, no, no. I was, I was full in. I was like, no matter what it takes, you know, I'm gonna work day and night. 
So I, I hired a, I hired essentially a consultant to help me out to kind of guide me through, you know, my first deposition for a personal injury case. Yeah. Like I went to go depose police officers who were at the scene of this accident. You know, that was my very first deposition, never done a deposition before. And I remember preparing for that with this consultant, literally like writing questions down on how to do a, a personal injury Because it's deposition. your first deposition you've ever done. Exactly. And now you're on a multi-million dollar potentially case. Exactly. And exactly. just so people who are listening, this was, you know, when you hear an old lady was walking across the street and got hit by a car, right? you might say, well, that's easy. You know, what's the complicated and that any lawyer could do that. But this wasn't that case. No, this was not that case. Why? So for starters, I mean, to make a long story short, and we'll get into the details, you know, more details of it, obviously, uh, for approximately, we went to trial on this case in November last year, right? When we won on the, on the no fault trial at the no fault trial, the insurance, first of all, there's two issues. There was two insurance carriers involved. The elderly lady, um, she lived in Niagara Falls, Ontario, and then also in Canton, Michigan. She spent her time with two of her sons half and half, right? Yeah, so she sold her house. Right. She didn't have her own house anymore, and right. she just lived with her family. Yep. Half here, half in Canada. Yep. Wait, but what does that have to do? The listener may be saying, well, what does that have to do with the case? Who cares where she lives? Right. So going to one of the two issues that, you know, the insurance companies, both of them were, you know, using as defenses was, so there's something that I've now come to learn called uh, order of priority, right? Um, when you're hurt in an in a automobile accident, there's an order of priority as to who has to pay. Who your, has your, to pay first, exactly. right? So, and it's it's not as easy as it sounds. No, no, because it's not. these insurance companies don't want to pay. They don't want to pay, and they want someone else to pay, right? And that's exactly what happened here, right? Yes, we had yes. uh, two. In, you had two insurance companies. One was AAA Insurance, mm -hmm. and one was Citizens Insurance, right? And there was hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in medical bills. In medical bills, yep. Nobody paid. Nobody paid. So one of the insurance companies was saying that her domicile, which is essentially where she lived, where she lived was Ontario, Canada. If that was the case, then the other insurance company is liable to pay. The other insurance companies pointed the finger back at them, saying at the time of the accident, she was living in Canton, Michigan with her son, whose auto insurance company would have should have covered all her medical bills because if she is domiciled in canton michigan then she is a resident relative of her son and his auto insurance company is liable to pay for all those so bills. so to translate this because mm -hmm. it's it's i mean it's confusing as yep. all hell yep is where she lived mattered not to us really right but it mattered to the insurance company right because if she lived in canada in, uh, what was it? Triple A had a pay. No, no. Citizens had a pay. If she lived in Michigan, Triple A had a pay. Yep, that's correct. And we don't care, right? Where you know they use that as an excuse, as not you know, to pay for over six years, I think, right? Um, and which is horrible, horrible, because which means this lady can't get the medical care that she needs, exactly. Because exactly. the insurance companies are blaming each other. Right. And 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 she needed medical care. I mean, uh, as you know, two major surgeries, her pelvis was shattered into pieces. Initially, you know, one of the top doctors at the University of Michigan who teaches there had to be flown in to put together, you know, her her hip into like, you know, it's little like, tiny it's like pieces. little tiny pieces. Like Humpty Dumpty. Exactly. It's like having a broken piece of glass and you're trying to like glue it all back together yeah. with screws and plates and, and she was thing. in a wheelchair then right, she was right. an active lady so all right so so this what should have been an easy case was a mess right right and it was your first case it was my first case so and so what did you do manny well you made some smart decisions on this <laughs> yeah so i i i did as much as i could for as long as i could um i think i probably worked the case for a year and a half we went to case evaluation. So the issue, the one issue, as I mentioned, was the, you know, pointing at each other, the order of priority issue right. that we're not liable. One of the insurance companies goes a step further and says that she wasn't hit by a car, that she was crossing the street. Their driver was coming around the corner with boxes in his car. He happens to stop two feet in front of her, her and then she falls. 
Yeah. So, so, so that, that so was I, the other thing. <laughs> just so I understand. So not only was, and this was citizens insurance company. Correct. Not only were they blaming, saying the other insurer has to pay, it's not us. They literally said, oh, this old lady just happened coincidentally to just fall over in the middle of the road for no apparent reason. Did, did they ever say why she just suddenly they fell? They said, we don't know. She just fell. Directly in front of a speeding vehicle right. that was found at the scene directly next to her body. And what's even funnier, John, is that, I mean, they, they were essentially saying that she didn't see the car, right? Because if she saw the car and got scared and fell, they're still liable, right? And I'm sure you could explain that yeah, a lot yeah, better yeah, than yeah, I yeah. can, right? Because there doesn't have to be contact between the vehicle and her. She just has to be scared that the car is going to hit her, which caused her to fall over. Yeah, and, 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 she th- broke and her this hip. is for listeners who don't, you know, Michigan has kind of a weird auto insurance scheme, but it's called no fault, right? right? And so this isn't a case about pain and suffering and all right. that stuff. It's just a basic case about medical bills and which insurance company has to pay the medical bills. Right. And under no fault, you don't have to necessarily be hit. Your injury just has to be, regardless of who's at fault, you just have to be related to a, a car. That's right. A car incident. That's right. So this is insane. And th- this was insanity. And the listeners might say, well, who the hell is going to believe that? But they literally, they hired experts. Correct. They hired like a Ford Motor Company like expert engineer on biodynamics yep. to say yep. like... Yep. You know, it was crazy. And she, I don't think she even visited the scene to like do like an analysis. Of no. Her, you know, to make her report. that She basically agreed with them and said that, yep, you know, she just happened to fall without seeing the car at the exact same time and place that the car came. And, and the car just was them. able to stop like one foot from her yeah, body. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, crazy. And we'll get into what, what we found out in right. the case. But, but uh, needless to say, this, which on the surface seemed like a really strong easy case right turned out to be somewhat of a hornet's nest it was it was especially so, for a first case right man. right so you know i had the the consultant quote unquote helping me out for about a year and a half took a bunch of depositions hired uh, an accident reconstruction uh expert to come like out a to police reconstruction exactly to be everybody on our side was like there's no question here that she was one hit by a car and number two you know that she lived in niagara falls ontario Right. So about a year and a half later, I'm just getting frustrated at this point because maybe they're just, you know, for lack of a better word, jerking me around. Right. You know, young new lawyer working this case. Right. Case evaluation comes up. I think I got like 200,000 at case evaluation. On a multi-million dollar case. Right. right? And, and just so the listeners know, this was defended by a very big, well-known insurance defense firm. Correct, correct. For citizens insurance. Correct. And all the witnesses, including their own hired uh, doctor who did an independent medical exam on this lady, on this client, he said that she was hit by a car. Everybody's saying Everybody's saying that she's hit by a car, right? So at that point, I reached out through um, Issa. Uh, I got a hold of you. Why? Why did you? Because I figured, I'm like, at this point, I need to bring in a power player. I need to bring in a big gun here, right? Because my voice is not being heard. You know, they're just trying to bury me in paperwork. They're not. They're not going to budge. They weren't the off. There was no offer on the case. They they rejected case evaluation. I believe. Yeah. On the on the first party case. So at that point, I got in touch with you, and then we went guns blazing, man. You know, you obviously led it from there, and then. We settled the first party case back in, I think it was January 2019. Third party. Sorry, third party. third party case. And so, as you're aware, as soon as you got involved, because here's a little background as well. This driver, after he hit her, he went to their house to basically see how she was doing. Not only did he do that, he went to the hospital afterwards with his wife. There's a voicemail left from him to the client's son saying, I'm sorry. There's text messages exchanged. I'm sorry for hitting your mom. I'm I'm sorry for hitting your mom. And this is the same guy that they're using to try to say they didn't hit. Exactly. So he basically exchanged text messages saying, I'm sorry for hitting your mom to the client's son. He told the cops he He was sorry for hitting the mom. He told the son he was sorry for hitting them. And this insurance company goes to trial in front of a jury and says, he didn't hit her? He didn't hit her. 
Yeah, that's that was their position at trial. I mean, Straight it's crazy. Yep. It's crazy. So when you got involved initially, one of the things I remember, because what the parties had done, unfortunately, my client's son, our client's son, he had deleted the WhatsApp messages. It was, you know, communications through WhatsApp. And this is now like a few years later, right? And the, the driver, obviously, he deleted his messages as well. So we had a phone uh, forensic examination done of the driver's phone, if you remember. So, so what that means is... Because I remember getting involved, and you know, this is this is part of you know lawyers staying in their lane in terms of like practice areas, right? Right. Like if somebody came to me like your Indian client with like a business dispute, I'm going to say, look, I'm sorry, you're going to have to send this to Manny Chahal. Right. And uh, you know, it's like going, you know, if I got a if I got a heart problem, I'm not going to go to a foot doctor. Exactly. And a lot of people may think lawyers. Well, they just know everything. Yep. We don't. Yep. I, I mean, agree. I, I know I know my field. You know your field. You're right. But it's really hard to step outside your field because it is completely different. There's right. different rules. Right. There's different techniques. Right. And um, so I remember when you called me and we got involved, then we, we I couldn't believe that they were making such an absurd argument. Right. But we went to court and we got the judge to order that the driver that hit our client has to give his phone to a computer specialist mm -hmm. expert mm -hmm. who hooked the phone up to a computer and was able to download deleted all the stuff, deleted including information. deleted information. Yeah. So what came from that was the voicemail came out. You know, there was a voicemail to the client's son. I'm saying, sorry. Uh, you know, uh, hey, we're at the hospital right now. I'm very sorry type stuff. Uh, text messages come out, you know, texting his own family members. I remember a specific text message. He's like, you know, there was a... There's an a, accident. There's an accident. I'm in shock right now. Yeah. And, you know, all sorts of things. He's Googling that like two or three days after this accident happens, he's Googling things on his Safari on his iPhone. I'm assuming it was an iPhone because it was a Safari. Yeah, it was. History. It was. Things like... How much do you get in a personal injury lawsuit? Yeah, I what think you could like, what do I do if I hit someone? Exactly. Things so like that. So this is the guy that we got this download and we blew it up for trial. Right. But they went to trial and said this lady just happened to fall over. Exactly. And this guy that hit her, who admitted to everyone that he hit her, literally was Googling, what do I do right. if I get into a car accident with yep. somebody? Yep. And if you remember, he tr he, he called his insurance company to file a claim the next day. Yeah, and he told his insurance company that he was driving and, and that he, he was in this accident. Why would you call your insurance company if you were not in an accident? Yeah. How many people drive down the road and just see a car accident on the side of the road and call their insurance company and file a claim for exactly. that. Exactly, it's crazy. It's crazy. And then you know, looking I'll, back, it's crazy. It's 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 truly crazy. So if you also remember, he called the insurance company the first time. Typically, I mean, you know more than I do, but those conversations have to be recorded, right? And they have to be transcribed. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So he the insurance company almost always records the calls, right? So they can show it later, right? So he has this conversation, the first one apparently, because we extracted his phone log to see that he called his insurance company like two days after this accident happens. No recording of that, nothing, no record. Nobody of that ever call, explained right? where the recording right. was, right? But then three days or four days later, again, there's a recorded phone call in which he basically says, you know, I was driving around the corner. I stopped my car. This lady basically fell in front of me. So he so changed story his story. He changed his story. And after Googling... What, what do happens? I do if I get into exactly. a car accident and, exactly. and how much money can I be forced to pay if I get into a car accident and all this stuff? Exactly. But see, you know, that's the thing that's going the extra mile, right? Because people may say, well, this is a crazy defense, but I mean, they had found people to say that this happened, even though everyone at the scene knew what happened, even though the cop would testify that he admitted that he hit her. Right. They changed. They had changed their story. The, the 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 biggest witness in this case, I think, for us was the the investigating police officer, right? The officer from Canton, who's now like a lieutenant. He came to trial and he said, "Well, initially at his deposition, he, he I had got him to admit that the driver told him that he struck her. Yeah, and that's why he gave him a hazardous. Yeah, he wrote him a action. ticket. He, he wrote him a, a ticket, ticket for hitting a lady. Right. So now 
after his second phone call, if you remember, to the insurance company where he says he didn't hit her, he calls the police station back to try and change his statement that he gave, yeah. right, to get the ticket. And the officer told him, you can't do you that. You can't do that if you truly want to change your statement. Come to the police department, sign an affidavit saying that you, you know, incorrectly said that you hit her at the scene, and now you want to change your story. But he didn't do that. And why yeah. wouldn't he do that? Because you could go to jail if you lie to the police. That's, yeah, there you go. You know, so that was, a, so, you know, this was a crazy case because it was kind of a crazy defense. You know, we say case has gone wild. This is defense has gone wild, right? Right. right. They blame this poor old lady who is catastrophically injured, has been left in limbo for six years right. without her medical bills being paid. Right. And the insurance companies are blaming each other. And then Citizens Insurance comes in and says, oh yeah, she just happened to fall over in front of a car. Right. Even though everyone at the scene know, knew that she got hit, she had blood coming out of her nose. She said, I got hit by a car. She felt the car hit her. He said, she got hit so hard she flew out of her shoes. She did. And what, she just fell? She just, who the hell falls out of their shoes? I mean, remember we, we got their shoes at trial and we showed the jury these, who the hell falls out of their shoes and, and flies feet in the air? And these I mean, are like like tight sketcher, like yeah. slip-ons that they didn't have laces, but they were tight sketcher type slip-on I mean, walking It's offensive. Shoes. It it's is offensive. offensive. And this poor lady was, this poor old lady was left in the crossfire of this. Right. And so- what so let's tell tell the listeners so what happened i mean this case should have settled it right. never did and we had to go to a trial right so the first so the third party case right the pain and suffering case I against think, is, the driver is initially what we started going at and attacking first right and so and, that so what that means is for pain and suffering we sued the other driver right right so the non-medical bills portion of the case for her pain and suffering right so we went after the driver's insurance company and you know that's when you got involved and in the forensic got a phone, phone, phone examination and you just you know did what you do right you built up the case from there you know picked up from where i left off i guess and then together right we we settled that case yeah for over a, a million, lot of money for a, a lot, lot of money for a lot of that money, we yeah. can't say but a lot right, right and you know this i think manny you know you you had the courage to do what some lawyers you know, it's hard to say, I don't know everything. Right, absolutely. But you said, you know what? Like, I think it's in my client's best interest on a case like this to bring in another attorney who specializes absolutely. in this field. Absolutely. Which takes a lot of courage. Yeah. And I mean, it takes part of your fee, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, the other way I look at it as well, which I think may have been beneficial for us, it was like the bait and switch right they they think they're dealing with a young new attorney who's just you know working this personal injury case and then at the 11th hour i bring in the biggest gun available right in the detroit area which is john marco and so now you're involved and they're just scared yeah is my assumption they're scared because i think if you took this case on day one right it would have probably settled a lot quicker Right. It right. Settled. We probably wouldn't have gotten a big verdict. Exactly. That, but, exactly. So, know. but you're right. I, it, it did take a lot of courage. I mean, obviously who wants to, I had thousands of hours into this case already. Yeah. Right. And, and to, to basically hand it off to you and, you know, share a fee with you on it. Right. right? That took, that took some courage, but it's in the client's best. Interest. It's in the client's best interest. And do. I think in the end, I mean, with, with the results that we got, uh, it more than made up for it. I oh mean, yeah, absolutely, you so, absolutely. You know, and I've been doing a lot of because uh, this is my specialty on bringing brought into cases. Sometimes right before trial, sometimes in the middle, whatever. Um, and we were able to do a lot on this case. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we settled that, and then we went to trial against the insurance company. It was kind of a wacky trial because right. it's us on one side with this crippled old lady in a right. wheelchair. Right who couldn't even come to trial every day. We yep. had to wheel her in. Mm -hmm. Your fiance, I mean, would have to like get her from the car, put her in a wheelchair, wheel her up to the courthouse. Right. And then the defendants was two insurance companies. Right. Not right. one, it was two. Yep. And they were blaming each other. And um, one of them, AAA, I got to give them credit, even though they could have latched on to this crazy defense of, 
this old lady just fell over, they wouldn't even sink that low. No, they, they, they did not sink that low. And I'll do respect to them. You know, they, in fact, paid some of her medical bills at the very beginning, I think. Their claims adjuster, if you remember, came to trial. She testified that, you know, we're going to try as best as we can to, and we're going to pay your bills. We'll figure out who's liable for what, you know, down the road. Yeah. But for now, it's, it's important that this lady gets medical Some medical care, care right? Because right. it's to save her catastroph- life. It's a catastrophic injury, right? Um, but eventually they had to stop paying because they realized that they were not liable. Yeah. Citizens not only said they weren't liable, again, they ran the whole thing that she just fell. And attorneys came into this trial and the jury saw right through it, I think. And they're just like, you're lying. Yeah. Like you guys are lying. Lying are again lying. and again. Yeah. And look, yeah. lying's a strong word, but they were lying. Yep. They were lying. Now one, I don't know about, so we tried this case. How long did it take? Was it about uh, two weeks? Or? Yeah, it was It was like a week and a half, almost week and two and weeks. A half. Yep, yep. And let's talk a little bit about some of the wildest parts of the trial. I know one of the wildest parts for me was... I don't know if you remember the the defendant driver, so the driver of the right, vehicle, right? right? And we were going back and forth on whether we should call him because right. we knew we didn't know what he was going to say because yep. he had said so many things. I hit her. I didn't hit her. I don't know if I hit her. You know what the hell was he going to say? Right. And ultimately, we, we you know did. we had subpoenaed him for trial, but we decided not to call not him. to call him. Right. We had. What was it at that point? I mean, just to give the audience a little background as to witnesses and the number of witnesses here. All the, treat, all the treating physicians, for starters, the pain doctors, the The, the guy the at surgeons, U of M, the guy at U of M, who had nothing to do with the case. Right. Like we had like six, 15 or 16 witnesses. They had one or two. Yeah. They're, they're accident reconstructionist expert, yeah. right? The one that they hired that didn't go to the scene to even investigate. Yeah. And then the driver is who they ended up calling because they had nobody no, else. No, well, you remember, we called her on the fly. The driver? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, you're actually so, right. I, yep, so, yep, they you're were, right. so they were sandbagging us. Yep, so yep. if you remember, we decided, you know, part of trial strategy is all about making strategic decisions that all have risk, right? right. And we decided, why do we need to call this driver um, I didn't even know if he was going to show up because right. he he had no skin in the game. He wasn't right. going to have to pay any money. Right. And we were kind of hoping he would be honest mm-hmm. about everything. Especially because um, he signed an affidavit, if you remember, previously. Yeah, he signed an affidavit that said that his car scared the lady and she and it caused the, the accident and all this stuff. And so we decided, well, what the hell do we need him for? Right. And sometimes when you're winning so much, don't piss the jury off. By yeah. making things go longer, right? And, over, and overkilling. Overkilling, right? Like they believed us, I think, by day two. Yeah. Right? And After we put on like 10 doctors saying, including their own, right? Their own hired doctor, including him saying that she was hit by a car. Yeah, their own doctor, the insurance company's own bought and paid for doctor mm-hmm. said, yeah, of course she was hit by this car. <laughs> of course she was hit by a car. He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> she was hit by a car. And it went so well. We actually used their doctor in our case, if you we remember. Did. We did. Um, but anyway, so we subpoenaed the driver, and then we called them and said, "Don't you don't need to come to trial. Right. We're not going to call you. But then we appeared at trial the next day, and we were about to be done with our case, and he was there. He was there. And so the judge said, Do, and the reason he was there was because the insurance company called them. They were playing uh, coy with us. And they were going to try to call him as like a star witness. Right. 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 So we made a game time decision in trial. The judge said, do you have any other witnesses? And I said, what the hell? I want to call this guy myself. Right. Because I get to question him first. Remember? Right. And so we called this driver who was probably the most incredible witness of the trial, he was such a liar. You, John, that was like one of the, I mean, I have, I've seen cross examinations, but you shredded this guy. Like you shredded this guy. He lied over and over and over again. And at the end of it, eventually it was apparent to the jury that he was lying. Yeah. It was so clear that he was lying. And we went over like, oh, you didn't hit her, sir. Sir, why did you line your car up with this woman? If there's a woman on the side of the road who is catastrophically injured, why would you drive your vehicle up to her 
her dying body two feet and park your vehicle almost run over her right and you took a measuring tape if you remember yeah like you know this is how far it's like two feet is like this why would you drive your car two feet from a body on the road yeah and what did he say just smug face no no answer oh i don't know i don't know that's it (laughs) i was trying to help yeah you were gonna run over her yeah and and then we showed the um you know that's one big thing for lawyers forensic phone examinations are like treasure troves because with that phone examination we were able to show that he was googling what do i do if i hit somebody right and he had no explanation for why he would Google that. Right. Oh, you were just surfing the web. You were bored. You're, yeah, you know, no explanation. And so, yeah, so that was uh, that was good. We, we got a huge verdict. What was it? Was millions. millions of dollars? And you know, the case is still an appeal. This case, these insurance. Well, one of the insurance companies has been appealing over and over again, and they're appealing again. You know, so obviously they've already still, appealed it like three times right, before we so, even got the trial. You know, we did win. It was a unanimous jury verdict, if you remember. Yeah. Um, all jurors believed us, and it was just they saw out of the through park. it. They saw through. In it. fact, we had um we had a couple of jurors come up to us after that and say, you know, like thank you, like this yep. has been an honor and stuff, right. because um there was some we were really scared that that was an interesting issue in this trial is our client was a foreigner, right? Okay, right, and that makes it a little bit tougher. And it when does. you're evaluating a case. We heard throughout the trial, in fact, from some of the best mediators in Michigan and best lawyers, oh, you guys are going to have a tough time. Your client doesn't speak English. Right. We'd have an interpreter at trial right. for our client, which made things a lot harder. It did. Don't and, you think? And, and not just that trial, John. I mean, throughout the course of the litigation, every deposition, they deposed, deposed this poor lady like eight times. And we had to get a, like a Punjabi yep. translator. Yep. And I'm telling you, look, I'm not an expert on Punjabi. But Punjabi to English seems like it's a little bit mushy. Well, for me, no. But, you know, if you don't, it's like it's like speaking Mandarin, right? I mean, or German. Uh, For us, it's, you know, like it's... The words don't line up exactly. They don't. You're right. They don't. They don't. And they try to use that to their advantage. Yeah, they confuse this old lady. Exactly. It was hard. But that's one thing that we had to really talk about in the beginning of the trial. Right. Was, look, my client doesn't speak English. Our client doesn't speak English. We're going to have to speak through a translator. Right. Our client's not even an American citizen. Remember right. they were using that against right. her? Right, She's saying a green like, card holder. But... Like, oh, you're a green card holder. You have you have Ontario insurance. Why right. don't you go put this on Canadian insurance and right. stuff? Right, right. Um, and we had to really talk to the jury about that. And, you know, they, they, they thought, the insurance company thought that that was going to help them. They did. Um, and it made things harder because we had to have a translator. It's it's harder. It is. And I remember one of the defense counsel just trying to, you know, abuse this lady essentially during her, you know, during his his questioning of her at trial. Yeah. And it made them look even worse. Yeah. Well, we had some jurors who had uh, immigrated to the United States. Yes, we did. Yep. And I think they were just appalled yep. by them taking that tactic yep. um, of... You're a foreigner. We, we had we had a Hispanic man from Mexico. We did. Who had came, and we also had an Asian American who was like we an did. engineer at a GM or something. Yep. yep. And they were they came up to us afterwards, and you know they, they felt were. very uh, empowered to be part of the American justice yeah. system. Yeah. And if you remember that one gentleman, he had just gotten his citizenship, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That that he came up afterwards as well, and he really you know applauded. Yeah. The, he applauded the the. Well, that was a case gone wild. And, you know, I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to come in and help on that case and to get a good result. And, uh, you know, I think attorneys should not be hesitant to ask for help when they need it or when it's something that's outside their bailiwick, you know, like just like I would do on certain cases that I don't do like family law or, you know, contracts or something like that. It's without saying expert per se, you know, let the experts handle. Yeah. Let let the experts handle it. Yeah. So are you going to do another uh, personal injury case? You know what? Lately I've been, I know after that trial, because that was my first major trial and uh, the preparation alone with you, you know, that was intense. The Look, trial t- was talk, intense. Talk a little bit about it. Because I felt it's like at some easy. point, it's not at easy. some points, you it's, were going to say, 
our friendship's over. I don't ever want to see you again. Oh man, we. Almost, I'm not always the easiest person. I remember on the the third party case right before we, you know, we were we settled like a day before that trial. Uh, we were about to go to blows, man. We were about to fight each other, right? Because it, it it requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of work. Something I haven't seen to that magnitude before. And, you know, just motion after motion, court hearing after court hearing, and just, you know, nonstop fighting and litigation, right? So I wasn't used to that at that point. And, you know, the intensity with which you have to work, even if you remember during the middle of trial, we got a 10,000 page claims file that wasn't fully produced to us. By in the one middle of, the, of trial. In the middle of trial. So we spent the weekend during trial like 12 hour days going through this claims file. Right. And that's like in the middle of a, you know, a trial that you've been preparing two months. For, right. And you're having to, to prepare for these witnesses. Yeah. yeah and yeah. we're having to go at night. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, you see it on TV and it looks almost like no, you walk in, man. I mean, it's, you wake up, first of all, you're sleeping, you're thinking about the trial. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And this, if you want to be successful as trial mm -hmm. lawyer, this is what you have to do. Then you wake up, and you're, I'm on the phone on the way to the courthouse right. with you. We were yep. getting down to Detroit at what? 6.30 in the morning. Yep. We're having meetings. Then after the trial adjourns for the day, we're working Continuing. through the night. Yep. And we're going to do depositions and we're doing right. other stuff. Right. Um, it's a harrowing experience to say the least. It is. But you know, now in, in hindsight, once you get a result... It, it seems like it's worth it. Yeah. Right? Because to get a result like that, you really have to put in the man hours. You have to pound the rock. Otherwise, you're you're not going to get that type of result. Yeah, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Absolutely. There's no shortcuts. So to answer your question, would I take another personal injury case? I'd probably send it to the expert. All right. <laughs> send it my way, Mr. Manny. <laughs> you got it. Or oh, we'll work on it together to get another yeah, great result. Absolutely. Because it was fun. It was fun. It yeah. is. And you know what? We got to do something great yep. for our client. I mean, after six years of being uh, abused and... Yep. Uh, you know, j j this this is an innocent lady yeah. who did nothing wrong. And it might be appalling to people to hear this, but this happens all the time. All the time. This is not some like crazy, it's it's a case gone wild, but this is not an uncommon event. I mean, right. th this was disgusting on the level that it was, but this happens all the time. All the time. And this lady's medical bills still haven't been paid. No, I think they're, they're well over... I mean, they're into the millions. millions. They're, they're millions, millions of, dollars, of dollars. Yeah. And it's endangered her life. Yep. Um, but we were able to get justice for her and we got to see these appeals through and I'm confident and uh, we'll make a difference in her, in, in her life. Absolutely. And, and it's, it was, it was really nice working with you as a team. Uh, and we complimented each other, I think in different ways. So thank you for putting your trust in me on that. Likewise, John. Thank you. You know, I wish we had more time to talk about all kinds of cases gone wild, but <clears throat> I remember during trial, there was one of the saddest cases. I don't even know if it would be appropriate to call it cases gone wild because I think it's so sad. It was, uh, but I want to talk about it because I want people to know that there's better ways and there's help out there. Yeah. So in the midst of this case, you know, while in the we middle were, of trial, uh, no, it wasn't in the middle of trial. I think this was, uh, if we're if we're talking about what we what we discussed recently, right? That that one experience, yeah. it wasn't really a case. It was just an experience that sometimes attorneys have, and I'm sure there's lawyers watching out there that you know have gone through something like this. Or people, I was right. So I was. Uh, we were both at a deposition, uh, in I think it was in Canton area, and I get a call from a young gentleman, and I'm not going to obviously disclose any names here. A young Indian gentleman who I had helped out in the past, um, early on in my career with something nominal, young, good looking kid. Um, he was, I think he was working as a DJ or something like that. He was studying at MSU. He had just enrolled into his first year of undergrad to complete a degree. in I don't know what, so he gives me a call two days prior to this deposition that we're, I'm going to get to, um, that we were in. So he calls me two days prior. He's like, you know, I have this, this girlfriend that you know i've been seeing for some time and for whatever reason you know it seems like she's been playing me and you know just trying to take my money and spend my money and just you know abusing me in a way she called the cops on me and basically said that i raped her and i'm like okay indian kid very cultured you know 
migrated to the to the U.S. maybe when he was like 16, 17, oh my maybe God. younger. His so she made up this false charge? Made up this complete false charge. And so at this point, nothing... Because the relationship was going south. Exactly. So he's a college student. I'm assuming she was probably living at his place. I, I don't know the details. We didn't get into it that far. So I, you know, I... I called him into my office, you know, I consulted with him and, you know, he shared some information, completely innocent kid. His parents, I remember at the time, were out of the country. And and is this and, Indian family, did you say? Yeah, it's an Indian family. And So you know, so they understand, so our listeners understand, it's very cultured. Tell us the culture. Very, importance. very cultured. I mean, your family's honor and the respect for your family and the community is something you uphold to the highest level possible, right? You don't do anything to embarrass or bring shame to your family. And that goes for, I think, not only just Indian cultures, just other, you know, good households, right? I mean, as yeah. a kid, you don't do something that's going to embarrass your family or, yeah. you know, put sh- bring but, shame. But, but I've noticed, uh, not to stereotype or anything, mm. but that in the Indian cult, family is extremely important and it it's is. put above almost anything else. It is. It really is. And you can't say that about everybody. Right. But I've noticed that and, and, um, it's a very strong characteristic. It is. It is. So he comes in, you know, all scared and crying and, you know, tells me what happened. Right. And at this point, nothing has happened. Like nobody's, no police has come to his door. No, he hasn't been arrested, never went to jail. This is just what he found out. He found out information. I'm assuming through her that, you know, she, I mean, we don't even know if she actually went to the police. Exactly. We don't, but he could have made it up out of anger. Exactly. So he's so scared just that, you know, of the consequences that he doesn't know what to do. And I'm trying to tell him, I'm like, you know, first of all, if something were to happen, if she had called the cops, they would have probably showed up and arrested you. Already. Yeah. Taking right. your cell phone. They would right. have got a search warrant. Right. right. But he's like, no, I need legal help now. I need you on retainer, whatever. Um, I'm like, just hang tight. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. Two, three days pass by. Well, right? does this kid able to even pay for you? Like, no, how does it no. Work? So he was too scared to even tell his parents in case something happened to get money from them to pay. He's a college kid, right? I mean, he can't afford a, a serious defense lawyer, which I would have connected him with a colleague of mine to yeah. help him out with. So what did you do? Did you tell him you are going to help him even though he I, I So fast forward three days later, he's texting me every day, just scared, scared, scared. What's going to happen to me? Can you please help me? I'm like, nothing's happened yet. Just relax, dude. So fast forward, it was a weekday evening. We're in a deposition with one of the physicians on the case that we just talked about, right? And we're in this deposition. I'm getting text messages from him. And I'm like, listen, dude, if anything happens, you have my cell number. I Don't worry about the money. The money is not an issue. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to charge you for, for anything, right? Or whoever helps you is not going to charge you. I'm going to make sure Because you felt really bad exactly, for this kid. right? I'm like, it's just calm down. So that evening, we leave the deposition at around 8.30, 9 o'clock. My last text to him was probably the text saying that I'll help you for free was probably around like 8 p.m. I get home in the evening and I log into Facebook and all I see is rest in peace, individual's name all over Facebook. What are you talking about? He, he committed suicide on campus. He got a gun in his car. He sat there and he shot himself in the mouth. That's, that's what happened horrible. to him. That's yeah. horrible. No, no. He hadn't even been charged yet. Yeah, he had not been charged yet. And we don't even know what would have happened to him. Exactly. It's such a, it's so, such you know, a that's, sad... I know there's attorneys out there that have gone through experiences like that. Yeah. So that, that wasn't really necessarily a case gone wild, but it's just an unfortunate story. And sometimes as attorneys, you know, you, you deal with stuff like that. And I felt guilty it for a few you, days, man. right? Like yeah. I felt, felt not a few days. I mean, I felt guilty for quite some time. I was in shock. It's really, it's really hard. And, uh, you know, but you do what you can do. But I think maybe a lesson out there of this horrible tragedy is as, as grim as things seem, as hopeless as they seem, whether, you know, you're like this client who's facing a false charge of, of horrible rape. I mean, right. I can't think of a word that I can't think of a worse charge. Right, I mean, right. it's worse than murder. Right. I mean, in a way, or whether, you know, you're like our, our, our Indian family who, don't know how they're going to pay their medical bills right. because they're being cheated by the insurance company or any of the other sad things that we deal with. Because let's face it, when when you and I get phone calls, it's not because something great's happening. Exactly. It's because there's a tragedy. Right. Because somebody's 
going through something horrible because they need help and they don't know where else to turn. There's still hope and there's we can give you hope. hope. And there, and it's, there's resources out there. I mean, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but there's resources out there. There's people out there willing to help. Yeah. I mean, you can't just go that extreme with it that quickly. Yeah. It's not always right. easy right. and it's not always going to be easy, right. but that's what we're here for. That's we're, what we're here, here for. as lawyers to help you get through these difficult times, whether it's, you know, charges, criminal issues, family issues, horrible accidents yep. or horrible, horrible things. I mean, we're kind of dealers in pain and, and, and try to help and try to get the justice or, or, you know, put people's lives back together again, Absolutely, which is not easy. And we talk a lot about on this show about, you know, our victories and the, you know, the joy and, but there's I also a lot I of took sadness, that one as man. A defeat. I yeah. took that one as a defeat for a long time. Yeah. And, and it's like, he hadn't been charged. That's and a, I, that's a, <laughs> that's a, you know, it's a sad, sobering note to, to end the show on yeah. Manny, but uh, I, I think it's an important one. Don't give up, you know, Don't and, give up. and call, call, keep calling, keep trying. And we'll, we'll make sure we get you to somebody who can help you if we can't do it ourselves. Absolutely. You know, there's always hope. So you're right, Manny, thanks a lot for being on the show of cases gone wild, man. It was, it's always a pleasure to see you. My thanks man. for having me. And I'll see yeah. you in Kansas city. Yeah. We'll be in Kansas <laughs> city for the lions opener. Let's go lions this year. Let's go lions. Come on. Maybe it's the year. You know, we're, we'll see what happens. Yep, yep. I'll see you in Kansas City, John. Thanks again for the opportunity, yeah. man. It was great. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Everyone, I want to thank you. I'm John Marco, and thank you for listening to our podcast today on Cases Gone Wild with Mr. Manny Chahal. Uh, this is brought to you by Marco Law. If you or a loved one need help, you heard some of the stories today, whether it's an auto accident or anything, you know, any tragedy that you need a lawyer to help you get through, please call us. We will help you or we will help get you to someone who can. But don't give up hope. Go to our website, which is www.marcolaw.com. That's marcolaw.com. Or give us a call, 313-777-7LAW. Until next time, this is John Marco on Cases Gone Wild.